welcome to a bonus episode of the Horizon Roundtable. As if we're not doing enough this preview week, I'm Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Um, joining me in this bonus episode is John Parker. Hey, Bob. Good to be here. I know you are. Anyway, John's here at uh, Horizon. Uh, John is uh, on Twitter at Horizon. John, you can always catch us on Horizon uh, at Horizon RT. That is our Twitter handle as well as on HorizonRoundtable.com. I'm sure you've been paying attention to everything that we're cranking out this week, um, as well as you can find us on uh, – you can be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And, John, I know it's you this time because last episode I last episode with the Media Forum, I said you and it was actually Matt, so I got the oh, right person right. this time. So that's always helpful. But um, – so yeah, this is like I said, this is this is preview week, and on top of everything else we've been doing, we decided, yeah, we we need to talk to Justin Kinner. So uh, Justin Kinner, of course, um, hosted the Justin Kinner Show on WING in Dayton, and more importantly, the voice of the Reach to the Horizon podcast. Justin, thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate the work you guys. Uh, do as well like with the smaller conference like the horizon league there's you know it, it's tough to get a lot of eyes and ears on that conference and uh, anytime you have passionate individuals like yourself that come together to do this thing um you know as often as you do that's always a good thing for the conference and uh yeah so i appreciate your guys's work i appreciate you guys having me yeah no problem i think you i think you missed i think you confused that for insanity <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um so yeah our uh, so our preseason poll we released that on monday and then the next day the horizon league uh put out their official poll and i'm very uh, this is kind of why we have justin on because i know you were you were actually live tweeting the uh the top te- the all of the all the teams for uh how they're picked within the horizon league and yeah, no surprise. I, I, you know, uh, both of us had Cleveland State. Yeah, Cleveland State. They're just that's one of the more interesting storylines. Like last year, and this is no disrespect to Cleveland State, but it's like the more they kept winning, the more they kept winning. I just kept saying they're not supposed to be winning. They're not. They're they're going to lose this one. They're going to lose this one, and then they just kept winning. And Dennis Gates, like people all the time debate like the importance of coaching. Not that I will ever agree with anyone that says it's not important. Uh, but more people say that talent matters more than anything. But uh, I think you look at conferences like the Horizon League and you learn very quickly that uh, coaching matters because sometimes the most talented roster isn't always the top roster in the conference. And it all comes down to coaching. We see that with Scott Nagy at Wright State. We've seen that in the past, especially at Northern Kentucky. And we're definitely seeing it right now with Dennis Gates at Cleveland State. Uh, that's to me, the biggest feel-good story of that conference is him right there. I'm the I'm one of the biggest Dennis Gates fans out there, and it just comes down to him taking a program that was just it was like a roller coaster, the ups and downs, the twists and the turns, and it's like they just couldn't seem to get it right. And then Dennis Gates comes in, and it's like everything just calmed down, everything just got stable, uh, you know, recruiting, everything, people, you know, the players buying in. It was just really cool to see the last couple of seasons, seeing that program build the way it has. And it's no surprise that they're the number one team in the conference in the preseason poll. Yeah, um, it kind of freaked me out, too, as a Cleveland State guy who has been through basically everything for the last. No, I'm not going to date myself, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I think. Yeah. And it's crazy because they last year they were like the surprise because I don't think we had them very high in ours in our rankings, our preseason rankings. And then you know, off they went. So that was a very pleasant surprise. But now, obviously, they're not seeking, sneaking up on anybody. And how can you sneak up on anybody when you have that many returning players coming back? 
Yeah, and I think that's going to be the, the big difference is how do you respond to being the hunted? Because um, this isn't just basketball. It's any sport. When you're a part of that team that's at the bottom and then like the best part is when you start putting it together and all eyes be, you know start to look at you, the expectations aren't there. Like you're not holding them to a high standard because everything they do is against the low standard that they had heading into – not low, but that mid-level standard. Sure. But this year, the high-level standard now – they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. There are going to be expectations. They're going to have to look crisp. They're going to have to win the games that they should. And there'll be, you know, there'll be question marks if they lose games they shouldn't. So they're the good feel-good story the last couple of years. They're a good feel-good story heading in. But they have to live up to those expectations. And the best way to do that is to have experienced players. And I think Cleveland State checks off all those boxes between coaching, talent, and experience. Uh, and the drive, I think Cleveland State's in good shape heading in. And they brought in more experienced players too. While they're like they, they weren't stacked enough, they got you know they got three more guys. Um, they got uh, Brock Finstoon, they got Nate Jack, they got Deshaun Parker, and then they got that uh, JUCO kid Anderson Marambo, who I am absolutely looking forward to seeing in the middle. And we know in the horizon, I know a lot of eyes are going to be on the guards in the league this year. Yeah, it's not a surprise that the teams that always seem to have the most success in the conference are the teams with the biggest post players. And, like, it, it sounds uh, cliche, but, I mean, it really is that simple. The teams with the best big guys down low always have the most success. It's not as – I mean, Oakland, I think, has had some of the best talented rosters over the last couple of years, but they don't have the Loudon Loves or the Drew McDonalds, and they don't have those big – you know, you look at the post players that UIC has had. Those haven't been the most talented rosters, but the post players give them a shot. So, as Cleveland State now has some shooters, they have scores, they have some post players – they're the most all-around well-rounded team in the conference to look at. I know a lot of people are going to look at Milwaukee with Pat Baldwin Jr. and Antoine Davis at Detroit, but uh, those guys are studs, don't get me wrong. But it's really going to come down to do they have enough post presence down low. That's what Wright State checks off. That's what Cleveland State checks off. It's going to be interesting to see how those other teams' post players develop. I'm glad you brought up Wright State because that's where I was going next because Wright State with uh, you know, obviously Loud and Love is gone, but Grand Basilia is still there and a whole lot of other talent. Yeah, and oh, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, and in a lot of circles, I know that some of the uh, preseason prognosticators also picked them first too. You know, we didn't obviously, but some others did. I don't think you can go wrong. Look, I know this sounds crazy, but that Wright State team last year, honestly, had everyone stayed healthy and whatever. You think of the success of that program the last couple of years. I would argue that's the best Wright State roster they've ever had from top to bottom. You had two near seven footers in Basili and Love and Love. You had shooters in Finky. You had scores in Holden. Uh, you had, you know, you had they had everything. They had a bench. They have one of the top coaches in all of mid-major college basketball. I mean, that that was that was just a straight choke job in the in the in the tournament. And the problem is, is they've had a couple of those the last couple of years. I mean, that's my program i love Wright state but uh, there's no denying they've choked in the postseason the last couple of years they go through you know you work that hard you win all those games in the regular season you dominate all year long and then you lay an egg in the conference tournament and even the the conference finals a few years ago that just can't happen but man the the post presidents down low in basili we're gonna find out we know how good Loudon love is there's a reason he won player of the year twice there's a reason he did all of those things but we're gonna find out just how good he is because was Grant Basile as dominant as he was last year because of Loud and Love? Was Tanner Holden as dominant as he was because of Loud and Love? We're going to find out very quickly. I think there's a lot of pressure on Grant Basile. As long as he doesn't try to be Loud and Love and just does what he does best, I think he'll be fine. But it is, it's always fascinating to me watching programs who lose the face of their program for a good four-year, five-year stretch. NKU, it took a little bit to get used to watching them without Drew McDonald. And now I think we're going to see the same type of thing with Wright State. 
The difference is, is I think Wright State has more left over than what NKU did post Drew McDonald. We can't say anything because NKU got back to the NCAA tournament without Drew McDonald. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that so, was a really interesting oh. thing um, for me trying to figure out what to do with them is, you know, they lost, you know, an all-timer. How do you kind of rank them? But then on the other hand, they were going out there and with him, they were winning by 50. So are they still going to win all those games and they'll just win them by, you know, 10 instead of 20 this year? Uh, it's, it's tough to say. Yeah, and I will say this about Coach Scott Nagy. The way I was talking about Dennis Gates earlier, that was the way I was just glowing about Coach Nagy when he came in. Um, you know, Billy Donlin, when he was here at Wright State years ago, I thought he was the best coach at doing the most with the with the with the least. I mean, Billy Wright State every year, I just couldn't believe the stuff he was able to do with some of those rosters. Um, and you know, I was always amazed at what he could do, especially later in the season and getting them to gel. Uh, but Coach Nagy, he when he's on the recruiting trail, what I love about what he does is that he sees things in players that other teams don't. You know, no one gets super excited about the Wright State recruiting classes. There's never those big flashy players. You know, when Loudon Love came in, he was a 300-pound offensive lineman. Do you think anyone was like, oh, man, Scott Nagy got his guy? Uh, but Coach Nagy saw something in him. He knew, you know, his personality, his work ethic, his drive, and all of that came to fruition. And you look at the way he transformed his body, and that's all extends back to work ethic. Coach Nagy sees those things in guys. Grant Basile is another one. You know, he was a big, tall, lanky kid that was good in high school, but how would he translate to the D1 level? Not a lot of people were looking at him. Coach Nagy found him, developed him, and he's first league, you know, coming into this year. And you saw how much he developed last year. Coach Nagy and his staff developed bigs at a very high rate, even going back to his time at South Dakota State. So I think you just can't rule that out because he's such a good coach. They develop players about as good as any program in the conference. And that's why I always have to go with Wright State in, in regards to that. For one, they have the experience. And I, as much as I love Dennis Gates, I think it's 1A and 1B. When you talk about the two top coaches in the conference, it's Dennis Gates and Scott Nagy. And I don't think it's uh, a disrespect to the other coaches. I just think those two, as far as player development and getting teams to buy in, those two are at the top of their game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here is where we kind of uh, – this is where we and the conference diverge. So 3, 4, and 5, the conference had Northern Kentucky, Milwaukee, and – uh, Detroit Mercy, whereas we had, wait, who did we have? John, who did we have? We, See, I wasn't paying any, we had, then, Mil yeah, we had Milwaukee, Detroit Mercy, and Northern Kentucky. Um, and I guess it, it was a tough to, I know it was a tough choice for me. Well, not necessarily. I thought I, I, I personally picked Milwaukee third, just based on the strength, not only on the strength of Pat Bowen Jr., but Everybody else, they, uh, everybody, it, it seems like, you know, we've, we there's been so much hype around Pat Baldwin Jr. You forget that they still have DeAndre Golston. Yeah. They, they're they bringing in Jordan Lathan. They're still bringing, they got Josh Thomas back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and then on Detroit Mercy's side, obviously, you know, Antoine Davis is the preseason player of the year. And they're also bringing. They also have brought Matt Johnson back, Noel Waterman, and DJ Harvey's going to come in. And you know he's he's really hyped. Uh, and, you know he's been really hyped up as a guy who can contribute for them. And then there's Northern Kentucky. So I, I guess my question would be, you know, where? I know I had a tough. I had a tough decision to make when it came to Northern Kentucky. But it, are we at a point where we we really have to stop underestimating Northern Kentucky? <laughs> They're the best. They're one of my favorite 
college basketball stories ever just because, I mean, the first year they're D1 eligible, they they win the conference tournament, get to the NCAA tournament, they get there three of the four years. I mean, they're in the semifinals every year, whether it was Motor City Madness or in Indianapolis, they're always there. You just, you're right, you can't, you can't rule them out. On Milwaukee and Detroit, and here's why. Well, I, I'm not with them in the regular season poll. I'm fine with where they fell. I think that Detroit and Milwaukee are right there in the middle of the line. I think that Cleveland State, Wright State, Northern Kentucky are the three best rosters for the regular season. They're built for the regular season. They're built to have success and to get those high seeds. Milwaukee, Detroit, I what I'm going to have to see from them is discipline. Detroit has had some of the best talents in the league the last couple of years, especially headlined by Antoine Davis. I know it's not a deep team, but – He's been the best overall skill player in the league. I know Loud and Love wins player of the year and all that, but uh, Antoine Davis is the real deal. But the thing with those teams are they're built for they're built for the tournament. They're they're you know, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my money on Wright State, Cleveland State, Northern at the top for the regular season as far as one, two, and three in whatever order. But come to conference tournament, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna put my upset cap on. And I, I think Milwaukee and Detroit, don't be surprised when you have guards like that. Those are the teams that win in March because when you could just put the ball in their hands and let you go win a you know win or go home game, I'm going to put my money on them over teams that have to rely on the ball movement and the shooting. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm going to put my money on Milwaukee or Detroit come tournament time. But I'm going to put my money on Wright State, Cleveland State, and Northern for the regular season. Well, I know as we witnessed last tournament, obviously we can't count on Milwaukee, can we? Uh, as a right state guy, absolutely not. Um, well, actually, is- even as a Cleveland State guy, because they, you know, they almost they were they just they you know got really far ahead in the in that semifinal game, you know, and it took Cleveland State to do exactly to from Milwaukee what Milwaukee did to them in the regular season and come back from double digits and win. Now you add in Pat Baldwin Jr. to that. Yeah, and I think that I mean, and Pat Baldwin Jr. I'm always amazed, you know, when we put these guys on the first team, you know, this is no slight to him whatsoever. He's there because of all the hype. I just, the preseason polls always fascinate me when you put guys on these preseason polls, watch lists or whatever, just because they haven't done anything to get on these lists. And that's not a shot at these guys, but that's what we do with these lists is to get, get us to talk about it. We're talking about the league. That's a good thing. Um, but, you know, if I'm a Tanner Holden, I'm a little upset that Pat Baldwin seniors, Jr.'s there, you know, <laughs> because to be honest, the second Pat Baldwin Jr. committed to Milwaukee, that's when Tanner Holden slid down. You know, you could even argue maybe Golston slid down a bit. I mean, I don't know. But the point is, is uh, that right for me, I, I just think that it's good. We have to I have to see it first. I, I'm, I'm all in on Antoine. We've seen it. Is Pat Baldwin Jr. coming in just to play for his dad and just hang out for a few months before he goes to the league, or is he going to come in? I, the one thing I'll give Antoine, Antoine's an animal, man. He goes out there and he busts his behind. Like he doesn't, like he knows he's the most talented, and he doesn't go out there and half-ass it, man. Like he gives it his all. I'm not accusing Pat Baldwin Jr. of nothing, but I need to see him play first before I just say, oh yeah, he's the top guard in the league. Milwaukee's going to go far because of him. I would like to think that's going to be the case, but uh, I, I think there's a lot of hype around him. I want to see how he lives up to it. I want to see if he has that killer instinct. You know, he passed up on Duke, he passed up on Kentucky, and a lot of big programs. Can he go in there? And put Milwaukee on his shoulders and lead them the way we see Steph, you know, Steph Curry do with Davidson and John Morant and and those type. Of, can he be that guy? Uh, we're gonna find that out. So we'll see. And it's interesting you mentioned the you mentioned that. And again, you know, you know, Antoine Davis. We we picked him Player of the Year. So did uh, so did the Horizon League. Uh, so did the official poll. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm glad you brought up the pre uh, the the preseason all league teams. And I know, um, which is funny because. 
the official preseason all-league teams and ours are matched perfectly, which I don't think we've ever done and we've ever had happen before. Um, mind you, of course, we had a third team. And the reason for that is, and I, I'm glad you brought up the point with, uh, with Pat Boyle Jr., there is so much in terms of the talent that's in the league at this point in time. We, needed, we felt we needed three teams. Um, and I know there's people on there that I, vote, that I voted for that aren't even on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that we find every year is that up until, you know, this year with Pat Baldwin Jr., newcomers pretty much get either left off completely or kind of dissed. I know the year that Kendrick Nunn won Player of the Year, he was like second guy uh, or second to last guy on the second team. Um and I, I do actually think we're going to have that again this year. I think there is an insane amount of new talent in the league just with the transfer rules and everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was still pretty cool to have our list match theirs completely. But, yeah, with um, <laughs> Pat Baldwin Jr. So I believe he's the first freshman to ever make the team. Um, I, I would assume so. I think so, yeah. Ray McCallum didn't. Um, and then he's, you know, he's a newcomer who made first team, which is, you know, regardless of the fact that he hasn't proven it, it's pretty cool that the league acknowledged like, hey, yeah, this guy hasn't been around, but I think he's going to be really good. <laughs> no, he's going to be great for the league because of the fact, I mean, there's going to be so many eyes on, I know it'll be the Milwaukee program, but when Milwaukee's playing uh, Horizon League schools, I mean, there's going to be more eyes on the league this year than any other year. And uh, I think, at least in any years recently, of course, you know what I'm saying? Like, because there's going to be eyes that are tuning in specifically for him. But I think that he comes at a perfect time because when Detroit and Milwaukee are on ESPN, everyone has this, you know, this, perception of the horizon league is just one of those small school you know conference conferences and to be fair it is uh but they always have an opinion of those conferences and i think when you tune in and you see an antoine versus a baldwin jr that's gonna you know th- that's gonna maybe change the perception a little bit when you see these cleveland state this cleveland state team that doesn't have a baldwin or an antoine but they have a collective unit of guys that are being led by a great head coach, and they're just a feel-good sport. There's going to be so many uh, things about the league this year that are going to get new eyes on the conference and, and, and to keep them and sustain them moving forward. But had Paul, Pat Baldwin Jr. came in you know, a few years ago, the league wasn't as talented, in my opinion. I think right now there's not the timing could not have been better. So I don't have a problem with him being on first team. Don't get me wrong. All I'm saying is that I just get a kick out of that stuff when you haven't seen these kids play at all, uh, and yet we put them there. But he deserves to be there from the standpoint of he's the highest ranked recruit to ever commit to a Horizon League school. So, of course, he's going to be there. It's good for the league. Eyes will be on the league. Um, and it could not have come at a better time. Antoine and, and Pat Baldwin Jr. are great for the league because there's going to be so many eyes watching those guys that will spider off to the rest of the conference. Sure, sure. So, as I'm looking at the bottom half of, uh, bottom half of the rankings, obviously we, had, uh, we, we, both, uh, we both had Oakland at six. But I want to look at the bottom half of the rankings. I'm, I, and it, as I was kind of looking through some of the rosters and some of the um, you, writing some of the previews here, I'm looking at some of these uh, some of the rosters and some of the some of the incoming players that they have in there. Like for example, Robert Morris basically swapped out their entire team with uh, besides uh, Cam Ferris and Khalil Spear.
year. Um, and, and UIC, they have basically all of their starters back, and then they added a bunch of other transfers. When you look at the bottom half, uh, when you look at what we cur- what what we all collectively predicted in terms of the bottom half, and I think it's other than kind of the positioning of it, they're all basic. The the bottom half of the teams that uh, that we projected are basically the same. Out of all of those, which one do you think uh, is going to basically prove us all wrong? Because I can see a few opportunities there, a uh, few teams there who would love to you know prove that they are not a bottom half team. Um, the team that I'm, uh, what do you consider bottom half? Say that again. Anything for, you know, like the seven, seven through 12th, anything, anybody Uh, below Oakland, basically. Youngstown, I like coach Calhoun. Um, last year I thought they were on the right trajectory. I thought they were moving up. You know, they had Darius Quisenberry who there were so many weird things going on with him behind the scenes. He's ended up transferring out, of course, but like they were starting to really put it together. I thought that uh, Youngstown State was well on their way to to being, uh, you know, kind of a, a regular at the top, like to yeah. be up there with the NKUs in the right states and whatnot. And I thought that they were heading there. I, I really do like Coach Calhoun. Obviously, mid, I mean, these teams, they're a victim of their own success because the second you develop these mid-major guys, these guys coming out of high school that weren't getting the big offers, the second you develop them, there's bigger schools coming ready to poach them. So it's not an excuse uh, but it is hard to overcome at times. It's like just, you know, you take two or three steps forward, five steps back because the players that you were trying to develop, they're being plucked and they go elsewhere. And then those school, I mean, you guys, Cleveland state, I mean, Brim Forbes is a prime example, um, uh, right yes. there. I mean, you think those Cleveland state teams between Anton Grady and, and Forbes, and you think, uh, you know, and Lewis, that wasn't just going to be a, uh, you know, a, a top team in the league. That was a top 25 caliber roster if all those guys would have continued to play together moving forward. But so it's not an excuse, but Youngstown State, I think, does have the coaching makeup to do it. Clearly, you're seeing players be developed there. Wouldn't be surprised to see them in the mix, like finishing higher than where they're projected. You know, Oakland has a really good transfer that I know a lot of that Coach Campy, when I talked to him, super high. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was talking about. He goes, he the, the that that transfer is not getting enough tension. When I talked to Coach Campy, he loves this kid. Um, and of course, you have Jalen Moore, who everyone talks about the assist, but the kid averages nearly twenty a game. So you, had, I think Oakland's going to be there at the top. I could see Detroit or Milwaukee falling down, um, and I could see Oakland or Youngstown State moving up. Purdue, Fort Wayne. They're, that's a long shot, but I do like their coach in, in, in Kaufman. I thought they showed a lot of fight in the in the tournament a year ago. So we'll see if they could build on that. But I, I, I like Youngstown State and I like Oakland just because of coaching and tradition there. But if a, a long shot team, I'd say Purdue-Fort Wayne just because I think that they showed a lot of fight. Also, Robert Morris, I love those two additions. It'll take time to let them ease in. But the facilities at Robert Morris, and you look at the talent they had last year that bolted – I mean, my goodness, they're, I think they could be a sleeping giant in this conference. I think Robert Morris really can be a huge addition. It'll be interesting to see how they develop moving forward. All right. Um, and then I, I want to talk about IEPUI. Obviously, they got the new coach with Matt Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all of their guy, uh, you know, all their all of their starters are gone, obviously, with the exception of Mike DePersia. Um, what, what are the, what does year one look for like for them? Uh, the way it's looked the last couple of years, except they'll have an excuse why they don't look good. Their roster's not that good. Uh, they've been one of the more disappointing programs the last couple of years because when they come in, they're just not a good team. But I'm watching the talent, and I'm just like, how the hell are they not doing more? I mean, they have those guards they had last year. I just don't get it. Uh, but, I mean, they, to be 
fair. They weren't buying into his team's you know, system, you know. That's why Coach Nagy at Wright State, I use him because I follow them the most. But, you know, they'll take less talented players who are more team-oriented guys, and that's why Wright State's always at the top. I mean, they've had guys like Mark Allstork and others who – I love those guys, but they were not team-first guys. And that's not a shot at them, but they had goals to get to the league. They had goals to, you know, play professionally. I'm not going to bash them, but that just didn't in line with the team environment. I think IUPUI had that. This year, If when they lose a lot of games, they're just not very talented. I, I think Crenshaw is going to do a good job. He has the passion. He's played there. I, I think we got to give him time. But I think that yeah. they did get the, the higher right. Um, but I, I won't expect anything major in the first year. But, of course, we said that about Cleveland State years ago and Dennis yeah. Gates' first year when they had a bad roster. And look how that worked out. I think the big thing with IUPUI, too, I think it was that weird coaching situation where you had Byron Rim, who got extended for only one year, and, you know, it left us all scratching our heads, like, okay, that's kind of weird. And I think it yeah, might so have played something you know, into it, they, too. You have those transfers that transferred out and, and all that. You know, they're playing for themselves last year, and I don't blame them. The, the program basically told them, yeah, we're just giving this guy one more year so we can have you know take our time with the coaching hire. It was basically a throwaway year from the beginning. So I'm not bashing those players. They got you know you got to yeah. capitalize on you know whatever lemons they give you. You got to make lemonade out of it. They had spoiled lemons, but hey, they they did their best to make lemonade for them. So I I just think they got it right. I think Crenshaw is going to yeah. have a very similar impact there that we saw Dennis Gates at Cleveland State. Will the trajectory be as high? I don't know, but I think they got the culture guy right, and I think that's going to be cool to see. They yeah, deserve. So. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Matt Crenshaw, obviously, he is a I he is an IUPUI guy through and through. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, uh, definitely the guy that, yeah, definitely the guy that, you know, right the ship there. Absolutely, and I, and I like to. I'm really enjoying the the pattern around college basketball of guys going back to their alma maters. I know in the past that hasn't always worked out, but I love seeing what's going on at Michigan with Juan Howard and Georgetown's not having the as much success as you thought they would have with Patrick Ewing, but they did get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, you look at Memphis right now with Hardaway. I'm not putting Crenshaw in that category, but there is something to be said about guys going back to their roots uh, and coaching where they fell in love with the game and had their most success. So I think, Right now, IUPUI has had a passion and culture issue, and I think Crenshaw addresses both of those. And I know people – like, I don't know why people hate that arena so much. I love the vintage look to it. I, I, I love it. I just think that when you walk in, there's such a different feel uh, than some of the other arenas in the league. I'm just old school when it comes to – I like those smaller arenas. Like, I, I, that's just how I am. But uh, I think they have – what it, and being in Indianapolis, too, like, there's really not an excuse for why they shouldn't make it. Uh, uh, farmers calls uh, Indiana farmers calls him of course which I, I I myself have not gone to been been to either at the moment yet keyword being yet so yeah so um so my, John did you have any other thing uh no sorry no you're fine all right well Justin thanks for jumping on um really appreciate it obviously we're gonna you know we you, like I said we decided this was a yeah, sure. Let's do this now. <laughs> no, I'm glad you guys asked. It worked out perfect. You know, the, the rankings, the polls came out this week. And for one, it just does not feel like basketball is about to start. But here in a couple of weeks, everything's going to be off and rolling. So I'm pretty jacked about that. Um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, the league's the league is pretty healthy, I think. I, I You know, sometimes, you know, the league hasn't been as strong talent-wise and team-wise. But I do think that yeah. from one through six 
And I think you could extend it a bit. I think this is as healthy as the league has been in a while. You're always going to have those teams at the bottom that aren't doing well, but that's any conference. It doesn't matter, mid-major or not. I think the league's in good in good shape right now, and I really want to see how they capitalize on all the attention from the Pat Baldwin Jr., Antoine Davis. You just get a good blend. You have those star players and then the star teams like Wright State and Cleveland State. There's so many different ways to win in this conference, and that's what I like. I hate when people say that there's only one way to win basketball games and one way to win baseball and one way to win football. The Horizon League, what makes them enjoyable, there's not one way that anyone's doing it. And I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Justin. Obviously, uh, on Twitter, you were at 1410 Kinner. And, um, and when do we get to see uh, new episodes of Reach to the Horizon? Those will begin to start to release next week. We'll have Dennis Gates on uh, and Macy Williams from the women's side, of course. We'll be chatting with Pat. Uh, Pat Baldwin Jr. and Antoine Davis again. We'll talk with Mike Davis and Pat Baldwin Sr. Uh, just about the opportunity to coach, uh, you know, their sons at this level, of course. So uh, a lot of question marks on the women's side, too. We'll be keeping an eye on that. I mean, Wright State moving on from their coach. They have Kerry Hoffman coming in. You know, Green Bay's been down. I say down. They've been third and second in the league, but they haven't been as dominant in years past. You know, will they return to form? Uh, both men and women's side, pretty solid. I'm excited for that. We'll be touching on that on the pod. All righty. And of course, you can find uh, all our podcasts on HorizonRoundtable.com, not to mention everything else we've got going on for premier, uh, preview week. Um, you can you know, obviously uh, subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found, wherever <laughs> we're on all the apps. So you can find us. And of course, you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So uh, tune in next week. Uh, tune in to our regularly scheduled episode, actually episodes, because we're doing uh, two of them back to back um to kind of recap everything we're talking about on preview week so until that point in time thank you all for listening